Welcome to The Hidden World of Women, a podcast brought to you by Women's Health and Wellbeing Services. My name is Emma and I'll be your host for today's episode. This is the second and final part of the episode with Cassie, speaking of her experiences with family and domestic violence and sexual violence. A couple of things I want to say before we get started with this episode. The first is I want to let you know that while part one of this episode was uh I guess a lot more in depth around her experiences of living within that family and domestic violence and sexual violence relationship. There are still things that in this episode may be triggering for some people. And if you do have an emotional response, then there are numbers at the end of the show notes that you can access for additional support. I also wanted to say that in this episode, Cassie speaks about how hard it was after she left the relationship. There's a lot of barriers, there are a lot of obstacles, there are a lot of hoops that she had to jump through in order to successfully leave. And we're sharing Cassie's experiences, but she did it. She made it out and she's been out of that relationship for seven years. And so while at times it feels heavy hearing some of those experiences, the light at the end of the tunnel is that she did it. And you know, the message at the end of the episode that Cassie shares is that if she did it, you can do it too. So if you're in a family and domestic violence or a sexual violence relationship, then she hopes that you hear this as hope rather than focusing on it's too hard because she did it. If you haven't heard part one of this episode, I encourage you to listen to part one before you listen to um, this part of the episode. It will make more sense. So we're picking up with this episode. At the end of part one, Cassie had just shared about a particularly horrendous attack where she thought she was going to die. And this episode picks up where she has actually left that relationship. Thanks for listening. So he he wasn't arrested because there was no evidence at this stage. But the neighbours saw. They at this stage they only heard they they, they knew yeah. it was a violent home. They stayed away. They mm-hmm. they the little old lady next door hated. Yeah. Hated when she could oh. hear it. And then the other couple and look I mean I remember getting to the station and them saying do you want to press charges but that means you are going to have to stand up in court and give evidence and you are going to have to face this person and you know how hard it is that you're so scared of this person you yeah. can't come head to head with this person yeah. in court he's going to just put you down like a little ant you know yeah. like you're not looking that you have the strength to actually stand up and give this because this person's going to come back at me if I'm giving him a criminal mm. record, aren't I? Yeah. And he's telling everybody I'm making it up, even though there's blood coming out of the back of my head and yeah. strangulation bruises all over my neck. And, you know, my kids are s- s- beside themselves and he's telling everyone I'm making it up. So I did it to myself. So there's very odd behaviour, mm. unpredictable behaviour. Yeah. Yeah. How do you move on from that? Oh, my goodness. That's a journey and a half. Yeah. It's it's a battle that I've actually struggled with more than living in that house. Mm. Yeah. And, and it's hard for other people to really understand that to the degree. I still have um, – I still live day-to-day with my own struggles from the torture and the – the battle, the fight, the justification, the 
learning to love yourself again, learning to know yourself again. And, and it's, I'm not even nowhere near there. I'm nowhere near there. I have a long, long, long journey. And I did go into a relationship uh, three years after um, I'd sort of left. Well, it was probably four years. Um, but there was so much damage there. One, I it, it fogs your... Um, you know your judgment of, yeah. of people, um, and and valid and your validation of yourself is at a minimal. So you you don't care. You know no one's you're not looking at somebody and going oh if you're not gonna sort of put into the relationship, mm. you know I'm not gonna give you because you're so you're molded to just you know cater for somebody like that and I think um I, I, you know I've now moved moved on from that relationship and that was a big stepping stone in a good way mm. but then also in you know a negative way but then you know I think that's life isn't it you sort of gotta take lessons from the what you get given and what journey you've got yeah I I'm struggling to to be able to even comprehend how you manage to trust someone again let alone sleep I with someone again. I don't think you do trust somebody again, mm. and I think that's another Probably thing. part of the problem. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, you know, and that's that's something I don't let my guard down very often. I'm very, um, uh, very protective over my kids, mm. um, but I don't think you ever learn to to open up and trust somebody. And maybe one day I will. I don't know. And you know, I think for me now, it's enjoying my kids because I've made a beautiful home for me and my kids and and we all feel safe and um there's they know who I am I've always been up front they know where I've come from yeah um and for my two boys they've they've grown into they're growing into you know really respectable men um my little girl who I never thought would be the one because my boys have always had counseling you know Mm. my little girl was three when we got out and she's now um had meant very severe mental health issues for the yeah. last two years so it's such a ripple effect you know and there's a lot of I guess when you're in there and when you're experiencing it, you think well the boys are the ones who lived through it they're the ones who saw it they're they the were ones the ones who that dragged out to watch yeah. and watch their mother be violated in a sexual way you know yeah. for for me I really was or even just um, physically or yeah. emotionally you know um, the things I used to be bullied into the corner and screamed at in my face for about half an hour. My kids just sit, used to sit there, and you know, it's just eat their the, dinner. The brain, the brain itself, yeah. it, you can't tell me it's not absorbing that. So no, look, most definitely, um, and that's you know, that's what I was going to say. Obviously, you expect that that has impacted them, and so counselling and you know, you're looking for that um, group support yeah. and and understanding and being open and good yeah. exposure to. A healthy relationship yeah. but when we're learning more about how trauma impacts like a developing fetal brain and how trauma yes. impacts um, you know developing infant brains as yeah. well so even though your youngest didn't witness it in the same way and and hopefully doesn't remember it in the same way the boys do it makes sense that she's still been impacted and that her yeah you know her brain has been impacted by trauma well, that's another um, door that I've had to open and, yeah. and learn. And, um, you know, it's funny because when she became – she's always been a very cold personality. Mm. Um, 
I've always found it hard to bond with her, even though she would. I was the one that she came to the whole time, yeah. and I breastfed her, and you know, I've I was a stay-at-home mom, and we did all those things that you do as yeah. as your toddlers as they grow. Um, it was very hard to connect, and and some people even used to say, "Oh, you know, she looks really angry." And I'd be like, oh, you know, it's just That's she's just tired, <laughs> or yeah, you know, you you don't see it. You yeah. you see your beautiful little girl, yeah. and and nothing's wrong with her at all. And I think she got to about eight, and um, it was like it was something snapped. It was just yeah. like they she started having episodes, violent episodes, and they were all directed at me, and it was. It got that bad that I ended up having bruises from head to toe. She would follow me around um, saying, you deserve this. Uh, um, you're the worst mum. You know, just things that you would never think would come out of an eight-year-old's mouth. Um, and that was just the beginning. So they then escalated onto averaging out 11 hours straight episodes. Oh. Um yeah, and I'm not exaggerating there. It it was something that wasn't a child just having a tantrum yeah. or getting angry. And, you know, in the meantime, I'm trying – by this stage, we have seven kids. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm just trying to make everything – all six at this stage, but to fit and work. And I was, I was working. She wasn't going to school. I would have to get her out of bed and, like, she'd be kicking, biting, punching and I'd have the boys um, put the child locks on the door and then I would have duct taped the locks on the front door and I'd put her in the car and she'd be in her pyjamas and she's, like, hairs out yeah. here, like, absolutely crazy. And um, I would end up having to restrain her and she's kicking me in the back of the head and we only live at this stage, 600 metres from the school. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. And I would have rang the school because uh, yeah. we'd had a plan set up because she can't miss school. Yeah. Um, that the an EA would be there and the principal. And, and it was an amazing school. And they'd just be waiting at the other end. And if we could catch her getting out of the car, it was an easy yeah. um, transition because then they'd just put a lock on and she'd get changed and go to school. Yeah. She was fine. Mum's at, mum's at home like crying and thinking <laughs> that my whole life's over and I'm the worst mum in the world. And, and she's, she's having a happy day. fine, yeah. yeah, as they do. Yeah. Um, but or if she escaped, we'd be chasing her for about an hour, you know, like she's running down the road and, you know, I'm jumping on her and the, ki- the teacher's trying to hold the door and... I know it's not funny, but it is a... Oh, no. you, you have to laugh. <laughs> yeah. You really do. Like I've, I think back on it now and I, th- I actually bought the teacher a really nice Christmas present. <laughs> And it was a big bottle of scotch, you know? (laughs) I feel like my child may have driven you to drink. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, please forgive us. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's like there are so many – it's not just what happens at the time. No. There's so many kind of knock-on effects. Yeah. And you don't – you couldn't have anticipated that. Oh, you know, that was the last avenue I thought it'd come to me at. Yeah. I really did. Like, you know, the court has only just finished. So I've been in court. Well, seven years pretty much of fighting for my kids yeah. and fighting for my half of like some some form Something. of asset yeah. so I could move on with my kids. Yeah. Even fighting to move away, you yeah. know. He f- even fighting the divorce. 
you know, he didn't turn up to court twice and you can't just get a divorce without the other person's consent unless you go and get an affidavit and you get all the... It just rolls on and, you know, like it's... It's like after eight months, I've got divorced. Yeah. But I, he not once turned up. I had to go and get affidavits. I had to go and get evidence. I had to prove everything. I've, it just feels like everything's a battle. And in his mind, he's happy, you know. Yeah. He's, he's actually laughing because he's, he knows I'm it's jumping through everybody's hoops. It's still continuing that trauma for you, yeah. Yeah, like drug tests. I got drug tested constantly and I'm not the one that, that weren't the one using. Uh, I'm not the one that did anything wrong. Yeah. All using. Yeah, that's all it. Using. Yeah, but you, you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm, I'm not the person in question here. Yeah. He ordered an SEW and I had somebody come into my house and watch a single expert witness. Oh. So somebody comes into your house and monitors that I'm a good mum because he's told the court that uh, I'm a bad mum. Then he orders an ICL, which is independent children's lawyer, and then therefore I now not have my own law thing going on. I'm dealing with, you know, proving to this lady, to this stranger, that I'm um, a good mum. You fit to have your own children. (laughs) It's and these are the things I think why when you say why didn't you just leave? I've never said that. No, no, not you. You You know what I mean. You know what you mean. Like you hear people just say that question and you think, oh, if only you knew. And I think that that's – I think that the thing is that it it changes who you – you know, looking at it from an outside perspective, family and domestic violence changes who you are. It erodes who you are. It erodes your confidence. And gaslighting is pretty pretty darn common. Yeah. And hearing that you are alone. And you, you got to experience that you were alone. Yeah, I did. You know, you you didn't have support. When you tried to reach out for it, it wasn't there. It was proving him right. You didn't yeah. have anybody else there. And so I hear people say, oh, if that was me, I'd walk out the door. First sign of raised voices and I'd be out. Why yeah. on earth would she stay there? She yeah. brought it on herself. All of those kind of awful judgments. The reality is you're not who you were when you, you, you have know, when, no confidence. No, you have no strength because you are you are isolated from your friends, you are isolated from family, you yeah. are financially got no access to any no, money to be no able access. to. Yeah. And Centrelink, you know, the um, lady at the police station told you to go to Centrelink. That can take eight weeks yeah. to get money. Yeah, yeah. How do you live? without money for eight weeks uh, you know what it's it's phenomenal it's I remember sitting there and it was like one of those moments where you just realize where you are in life and I was sitting there and I'm looking around like I'm in shock at this point because yeah. it's right at the beginning and like I'd been crying and like so I'm puffy and I probably you know smelt gross I don't know <laughs> I don't care Covered at this bruises stage and, yeah, yeah bruises scratches you know yeah. and I'm just sitting there and I looked left and I looked right and I'm just like this is where I'm at. This How did I end up where, here? Yeah, where did life go so wrong? Yeah. You know, I'd, I've worked hard. I've had beautiful kids. Mm. Where, how did this just happen? And um, I knew from then, you know what, yeah. it's just. And it's interesting talking to you because I spoke to you probably not long after you had actually left. Yes. Um, so probably within 12 months. And back then you were still making excuses for him. You do. You mm. really do. And, you know, it's funny because um, as you leave, and this is just something that sticks in my mind, um, like I wrote a letter 
uh, and I was never going to get delivered to him, but it was just some form of expression for me to get onto paper. And, you know, um, within that letter, like I read it not long ago, and I just, I've put him up on a pedestal. Mm. I've, I have thought, you know, if only, and, and I, it's just one of those moments. And then there was a photo with, at one particular time, we were on a family holiday, which was horrific, but we've done the whole selfie in the car as everyone Where everyone's does. looking smiling. Yeah, and, yeah. And no doubt posted it on Facebook, That's but it. you know what it's like. And, yeah. and on the back, I've written him a message saying, you know, you you've have broken me. You've actually managed to um, destroy me mm-hmm. as a person. And looking at it now, that means nothing to me. Yeah. But at the time, I just hit this one man yeah. who I clearly thought good of yeah um had broken me and destroyed me as a person destroyed my soul and you know talk about the idea of the mirror ball or the idea of mosaics that you take something that's broken and create something that's completely beautiful yeah so definitely you're doing that i love mosaicing yeah but my god it's it's hard work isn't it i love mosaicing no you know you just i just think um you just have to really wake up every day and some days are better and some I didn't get out of bed for three days once and I mean I know that sounds I'm amazed you got out of bed at all uh, well you have to because my kids (laughs) need feeding but um like I remember just laying there and my and it was school holidays and um my eldest come up and he's like mum you need to get out of bed we haven't seen you for so long and that was the voice that got me out of bed and that's the voice that still gets me out of bed but yeah. it's not not as cute anymore <laughs> it's usually yelling at him to get to freaking school yeah um so you did end up for some for a period of time at a refuge yes yes what was that like well okay so With three small children yeah it was uh, we were whisked off in the middle of the night pretty much um we went we got given an address mm-hmm. um, and the refuge wasn't had any availabilities. So we were put out into this motel in the middle of nowhere. Um, and keep in mind that I was also told, informed that it's confidential mm. not to give anyone, anyone's yeah. ad- any address because if you do, he'll find it, yeah. you know. Um, you don't know who you can trust. So, and that's right. And I'd already been let down with family and I'd really struggled with that anyway um so keep in mind I've me my kids nothing no clothes no toothbrush because you were taken out of the house that quick and um and even though I went back in my mind like back the next day I in my mind I'm thinking well we're gonna be just staying overnight type thing because then um we're going to get a VRO. Like, you know, the police has actually written this down this time. Like, um, but it's not how it works. You just can't go in and get a VRO, which blew my mind. So we had nothing and we stayed in this and I had no money and we stayed in this motel. I had no food for my kids. There was no, because the people in who were running the motel in the kitchen, they didn't know who I was. They just thought I was a guest because it's all confidential. And... I had nothing to feed my kids and I'm just thinking, what am I going to do? Oh, my God. And that night we, they went hungry. Well, it was late anyway, but um, 
And then the next day I was walking around and I'm just trying to think and, you know, I was actually looking for food that somebody had actually left and that's the point that you start going, I'm in survival mode now yeah. because, you know what, I can't even feed my kids. Yeah. I don't have a money. I don't have... I don't have I don't have a anything. toothbrush, let alone I, any food. I know. Yeah. And these these things, are, they're looking at you and relying on you. And, and my youngest daughter's three. Um, the next one is, well, he's six years, so he's nine. And the other one, and my oldest boy's 11. And I'm just going, they're just innocent children yeah. going through what massive trauma change. I've been ripped from their homes yeah. with nothing. And I can't even feed them. So... That afternoon, that must have been soul destroying. It was, but there Almost was this the being strength, than, uh, this strength within. It's a natural instinct. You're going to feed your kids, right? Yeah. You're going to work out a way. Yeah. If I have to rob a deli, I'm doing something. <laughs> rob McDonald's, I don't we care. Do not advocate robbing anything. No, just, definitely not. <laughs> just putting but, that out there as a community <laughs> service announcement. <laughs> um, but by but this I know stage, what you're saying. Yeah. So that afternoon, out the back of the restaurant, there was a play area and. Um, people were eating out there with their families and the kids were playing and they were living in that moment of like playing with other kids and not a second of thought of what's going on and as the people left I got serviettes and I put everything into serviettes and in my handbag without my kids even noticing (sighs) and that night they were in the shower and I divided it into three and I fed my kids and that was the worst thing ever. That was that was worse than anything because you have no way to to you know make everything okay for them. But they thought it was great. There was no microwave, <laughs> so they had cold <laughs> leftover other people's leftovers. They thought they were having takeaway. Yeah. So they're all sitting there bouncing on the bed because they can eat on the bed because that's all there was. Yeah. Eating takeaway. So they're literally having they're the time happy. of their lives. They're not having to worry that yeah. what dad's going to come home like. They're getting takeaway. They're, they're on holiday. They're in a motel. <laughs> you know, we're all having a slumber party and yeah. there's a playground down there. So Life doesn't get better than this. That's right. So in, in like I can, take, I can take that away, you know. Yeah. Um, but then the next day we were taken to a refuge. There was an opening and um, it was actually about, I was just gone dark and this beautiful, amazing Asian lady, Faye, and I don't know if I can say that or not, but she is amazing. Uh, she came out with a shoebox for them all and they were wrapped up and she knew we were, had the ages, obviously. And um, as they got out of the car, she gave them this shoebox and I was like, oh, I was just in a whirlwind because I'm just thinking, where are we? You know, yeah. I'm trying to see my surroundings. Yeah. Um, and they opened this shoebox and in there was a pair of pyjamas each for them oh. and an activity associated with their, their age. Yeah. A toothbrush, you know, like shower gels and just little amazing things. And we went in there and we stayed there for, I would say, maybe nine weeks, maybe even ten weeks. Oh, my goodness. And it was the most, the biggest blessing ever. I met the most amazing people and people that wanted to help and gave me strength from all different angles. Yeah. Um, Me and my kids and and the other uh, families there we went away for a weekend to like Whiteman Park and there's a little thing up there and we spent the weekend just bonding with the children and 
and making little things like warrior stones and you know what my kids still have so it's a thumbprint into like a little plasticine and they set them and my kids still have them and treasure them and a family tree and you know just doing really special stuff together so how was it for your kids being in a refuge well Apart from having no TV, oh, there's no TV. There was no t- or air conditioning. It's it was and just was, it, was it was a room, summer, wasn't and it? it was in February. Oh, oh yeah, and it was the hottest day, and yeah. we all had gastro. Yeah. Just so you know, <laughs> I'm not kidding you. And it, that it doesn't get more it horrendous. It doesn't than get that. any worse than that. We had that bad gastro. Everyone was pooing and spewing and there was you know one toilet between one four toilet of you and one shower and we're all just like, and it was so hot there was no air con and I remember my middle boy he's like mum why don't we wet the flannels and put them in the freezer and I'm like oh my goodness you are the smartest <laughs> boy ever and I remember like my daughter she was still drinking from a bottle when she got uncomfortable and yeah. stuff and you know she's just lying on her back and she's drank this whole bottle and then she's laid there for two seconds and it's projectiled you oh, know and it's oh. like if you're not sick we're cleaning and yeah. it was it was interesting but along the journey my kids loved it because they had other kids to play with yeah. and um like I was saying to you before you know I remember getting in the car when we actually got the the go ahead to go back to the family home and I put it in reverse and I looked over at my son and he and he said to me thank you so much for bringing us here mm-hmm. and in my mind I'm torturing myself every night thinking I'm the worst mother in the world we're sleeping on springs and like you know there's no tv and it's just and you're at a refuge and we're at know? a refuge like that's, but that's, we were getting fed the stigma with that though right yeah you're getting fed that's <laughs> right. not with somebody else's food no <laughs> that's right yeah um, and that's the thing, as a, as a mother and as a parent and as a um, caregiver, I think you just continuously beat yourself up and we're so yeah. hard on ourselves. And I said to him, why? And he goes, it's just so nice to know we're not alone. We're not the yeah. only ones. And you forget, you know, they're going to school yeah. pretending that nothing's happening at home. You know, I'm just surviving myself. They're just surviving. So yeah. you really, it really opened my eyes. And I was so grateful and can't thank, thank the refuge enough. Mm. And that's, it's so hard because we, as adults, we don't talk about this. No, but no. Who does, who does a seven-year-old or an 11-year-old, who do they have to talk about no this while one. it's happening? No one, unless I would say my kids relied on each other as siblings, yeah. like the two boys mainly. Um, but, yeah, they don't. And that's why I always had them in counselling, mm. yeah, from from that moment. And, you know, it's not counselling as if, like, they're getting taught, like, told, what do you, you know, tell me what yeah. happened or what's going on. It was just fun play of, yeah. to actually build their strength up again. Yeah. And then they did group uh, therapy which was the best thing my kids really thrived on that because they actually knew that they're they're not here with kids that don't understand what they've yeah. been through yeah yeah so are you worried now or have you thought about it or you know have you had conversations with your older boys so I think you mentioned that your oldest boy is you know he's starting to date now yeah with what they witnessed, have, do you have to have conversations with your kids around around what sex should be like or what, you know, what they witnessed wasn't normal? 
Well, I think that that. I mean, I think they're probably not. Yeah, <laughs> it's not that, normal, yeah they've worked it I mean. out. But yeah. no, no. Um, I think that that answer to that is every child's going to be different to how they respond. Um, I have always been open and like I said before, many people have always said you're too open with your kids, their children, they need to be able to, you know, have a child like mine and I totally agree but if they're not living in a childlike That's house, exactly it. Yeah. you can't expect them to, to process and actually um, get it and of course and I'm not going to be saying, oh, you know, in detail but what I say is that what I was saying to them is that this isn't right and this isn't Mm. the way it is and we've always had a very close relationship probably because we had to sleep in the car for so long or (laughs) mum was always with them because she was protecting them and you know um and I respect my kids for what they have uh not put up with I guess um what what their journey has been and I really do have a lot of respect but they're good boys yeah. and, you know, like I'm saying, I see the kindness. Mm. I never see the anger where there's um, physical anger. Yeah. Of course they get angry oh, and yeah, they get the, angry. you know, yeah. that's right. But they have full control over it mm. and I've seen my oldest boy with his girlfriend and he's very, very sweet. But the, if I ever had an inkling that one of them weren't treating a woman or, or you yeah. know, their partner, partner. Yeah. Um, with respect – they would get a kick up the ass, but only because it not because um, not not only because they witnessed it, yeah. but because that's not how you treat somebody else, yeah. and that's what I've always had. Um, val- and there's good no values. Way that you're going to be part of part of excusing it. Oh or, no, excuses, yeah. no. And my kids have had to grow up a lot mm. um, and taken on taken on more mature role mm. um, that I'm I feel sad about. But they nev- they've never missed out on um, love, sports, friends, exposure to happy, healthy yeah. community, you know. And I've just tried to do what I can. Yeah. And I think that's all we can do, I guess. Yeah. And I know that I'm going, sorry, I'm a bit like a yo-yo here. But no, me too. But pop into my head. So when, so when you were going through it and you left Adam the second time. Yes. Did you have to consider him having access to your children? Yes. Mm. Yeah. And that's – I'm just sort of thinking back going – I at that time, after, you know, sort of when I spoke with you after this happened, I remember you saying that he was having access and you're like, no, no, he's a good dad. Yeah. And it was just me that there was the issue and, yeah. um, you know, but he's, he's great with the kids, which kind of – Springs back to what you were saying. You, you know, contradict your. It's it's amazing how moulded you get within within your own justification and your own self value. Yeah. Um. And you know, you you think about it, thirteen, fourteen, and you've been moulded into this person, um, and you sort of just accept because you think that that's what life is, and and when you don't have family support or you mm. you haven't got that friend that you can tell because you just keep everything so hidden and yeah. and um. I think yeah, it it's it sort of just it just brings brings it all together, I guess. But um, that was another thing that I did have to confront. Um, so the courts, the court system, is a joke, and <laughs> unfortunately, I don't want I I don't wouldn't like to have said that, but it is an absolute joke. Um, I had to fight this man not just for a VRO. So there was a two-day trial and I had no family support. I was rocking up by myself. 
no support. He had his mum, his dad, his auntie, his uncle, his cousin, his brother, his sister, uh, his brother's girlfriend, her kids, his girlfriend at the time and her kids. So it was like a... Me against the world. Yeah, but I'm standing up there and there's evidence of the voice evidence of, yeah. you know, recordings. There's photo evidence. There's all these things and his, his family are happily just sitting there listening to it all. But even... I mean, these these were your family. You'd known them well, since that's you were correct. 13. That's so, the hardest thing. That, so it really is you versus your world sitting your, on the other side. Your safety, your security, your only knowing. And that is that is exactly right, Emma. Like, you know, I think I found that harder yeah. to process because when someone's physically, emotionally violent to you and constantly making you in getting you in a bad spot, you can actually go ahead with that, like come head to head with that person yeah. If it's in a safe environment, yeah. that's where, where yeah. I was at. But these other people, I I like I lost my mum and my dad, yeah. and I lost my brother, yeah. and I lost you know my sister in law and and, and, yeah. and the, my nieces. I lost yeah. them. Like I've I've known them since they were the Literally girls since they were born. born. Yeah. Um, but so, also, they got to see and hear what happened. Yeah. Like that's such an invasion of your privacy. It's and humiliating yes. is what it is. And, you know... I didn't want to label it that because no, I didn't want to... No, it is. It's humiliating. And when you've got the magistrate and you say, okay, he raped me, well, how did he rape you? You have to say second to second what what action was happening in your... that you can remember yeah. because don't forget, oh. we're all human. We're, our brains try to black all this stuff out. I can't even make this conversation in a straight line. I'm not <laughs> sure. You know, so. Oh, and, and I'm not in a state of heightened stress. No, so. and you've got all this pressure. And, and then there's there's the perpetrator sitting down, swinging on his chair, all confident and cocky, smiling at you and laughing to intimidate you that one little bit and that one last time. And, and then it didn't finish that day. So there was nine hours of court and it's emotionally, physically... Yeah. We had to go back the next day for the verdict and there was four hours of me being on the stand and it's just... You must have been Just for a VRO. Um, oh, my god. I'm not kidding you. Just for... Because he contested the VRO. And, you know, my joke. asking earlier, why wasn't he arrested? Oh, this is why. Because if this is what it was for a VRO, what would you have had to go through in order for him to... And I'm not suggesting that anybody exactly shouldn't press charges. I know exactly what you charges. mean. Yeah. And, you know, it's... It's finding the strength to do it yeah, and, and just trying to pull whatever you have left in your bag. And you are an amazingly strong, resilient woman. You have, like, the things that you have managed to achieve and yet it took everything from you. Yeah. you just living on... Um, Adrenaline, adrenaline and a prayer. Exactly, <laughs> adrenaline and some somebody looking over me. Surely, yeah. I don't know. I have three beautiful kids, and now I have seven. Yeah, and you know that's the thing. I think you just got to really see that you know glass is half full. Yeah, I'm not sure what it's full of. <laughs> and then, uh, it, mine's scotch. <laughs> no. Oh dear. Um, but yes, yeah, it's, it's a definitely a journey. Yeah. And then, so then he had access to your children. Yeah. So um, from there, I had I gave him no contact because yeah. I was in the refuge and and you know 
then we went to court and I just gave no access because he was too – we were both too busy fighting this. Yeah. Um, and then as time went on, mediation came along and we tried to do that and I was put into the same room as him even yeah. though there was a VRO on him at this stage and I was so weak. He could just – he could just knew how to make me yeah, crumble, no. especially when I felt – in, um, in a very small area with him because he used to lock me, yeah. lock me in the room, lock me in the car and, you know, like just a lot of things. So you sort of start panicking comes in and then you've got these two professional strangers. Yeah. So you don't even know what their label is but yeah. you're just there and they're telling you it's a good idea, you know, it's healthy and blah, blah, blah. There's nothing healthy and about this. I'm just saying, are you actually reading any of this paperwork yeah. before you say that to me? Because once again, I'm getting no validation or justice here. Yeah. You know, this man's just walked away and now he's sitting on the other side, sitting that close that my knee could touch his. It's it's not a nice feeling. And in the end, yeah, he did end up having unsupervised contact with my children. And um, he had it for about three months, October to January. And then um, my little girl was laying in bed with me on the last day of school holidays and we we're talking about what she got up to and stuff. And she's like, Daddy made me sleep with his friend. And I was like, okay. <laughs> So a oh little God. bit more of more of going into that. Um, it turns out that she was asleep in the mattress on the mattress where this other party that he'd exposed my children to had passed out. And from that day on, he never had unsupervised visits. Well, beg my pardon, he did right at the end, um, which the courts ruled in mm. his favour and he So even with that, the courts still ruled that he could have unsupervised visits? Yep. So he had supervised visits for many years, like um, through Relationships Australia or yeah. Anglicare, um, and which he would hit and miss, turn up at sort of thing. Um, All of these things, I just think, how traumatised can these children be? I know. And how much How much do you have to say, let's just keep them away from him for a Yeah. Yeah, like um, they haven't been through enough and now dad's fighting so he can see us and he's not even turning up. Yeah. And yeah. you don't know if he's going to turn up. No, that's right. It's the unknown. It's and like, then you yeah. have to deal with that afterwards of trying to make excuses for the fact that dad didn't come today. Yeah. Well, at, by this point, I'm very... Over it? Open. No, I'm very <laughs> oh, okay. open to my children. So... Um, I would never say anything that's going to make them um, put it onto them. Yeah. But I just let them know of what what sort of person he is and where he's at mentally in this stage yeah. of his life, and it's nothing to do with them. It's just him, him being him. Yeah. <laughs> and it's so hard to find that balance of telling it like it is without without trying to shape the kids against their dad. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, and you know this is the thing. Like I, the courts ordered me to do like a mother, mother course or mums and dads forever or whatever it is. I did it. Um, every couple of weeks, I would get random texts saying from the uh, children's lawyer that he'd ordered on me uh, to go and do drug tests, which cost me twenty five dollars 
every time, which is nothing. But oh, no, it is. When you have day, no money, $25 no, is a lot of money. No money and three kids. Yeah. No child support, of course. But, yeah. you know, so all of these things. Oh, really? Because I would have thought he'd been really yeah. up to date with child no. support. No. No. <laughs> dong um, What gave you that idea? Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, and you know, I did everything and then they ordered me to do another course and then I did something else and I'm jumping through every hoop, Yeah, and but I'm not, not even, even the perpetrator, yeah. you know, like yeah. I just blows my mind and, and then he That's does. It. How is the perpetrator still pulling the strings? Correct. And our system, I felt, was giving him those strings to pull. Yeah. And then he would turn up to court because every three months we'd go to court to revise stuff and he'd be like, no, nah, I haven't done it. You can't make me not doing it. And here I am, you know, driving into the city and paying $30 parking yeah. so I can go and do an Anglicare course because I would jump through the highest hoop for That's my it. kids. Keep um, moving those flaming hoops. I'm yeah, going to keep jumping through them. I will always be there, yeah. yeah, no matter what. So, yeah, I think over by seven years the magistrate just said, look, it's been in here for too long, we need it out. You know, we'll sign him off. He can have unsupervised visits, but you can bring in your, um, like, criterias or, you yeah. know. And so I was like, okay, got to stay in the area, get him for a couple of hours, um, no drugs or alcohol, which, you know, um, wasn't going to happen. But, but should go without saying. It should, shouldn't it? Any parent would think that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and then, yeah, second time he took him out of the area and brought him back two, two hours late and that's it. How much did you panic when those kids weren't back on time? To be honest. Did you have panic left in you? I didn't because I knew he was bringing him back. So I knew, knew he was just playing this games. Is, this is, you can't dictate. This is yeah. their mentality. You can't dictate where I take my kids you can't dictate who I show them to or go and visit or you know expose them to you're not the boss of me type thing and I know he wouldn't want the responsibility of three children okay you know and the cost of what comes along yeah um it's all about power and control I guess for me I was kind of thinking would it go through your mind that taking the kids whether that's you know taking them interstate or whatever that might be taking the kids is that's a way that I can hurt her Initially, when it all happened, definitely. Yeah. That that was my biggest concern yeah. because he knew. Or even, you know, as I guess we see in the news things where. I know, yeah. We don't yeah. even have to say that. Yeah. yeah. And that's many times because that threat was given to me, yeah. you know. Um, and he knew that one thing in this world is what I live for. That's it, it's your babies. My kids. And mm. you know what? No amount of money, no house, no car nothing would ever ever come in equation so he knew he, yeah he and that's kind of what else. I, that's what I was meaning before that you know when it comes down to it it's just stuff and you you know your kids yeah. they're your most important thing yeah but at the same time it's still your stuff you know yeah, yeah <laughs> like, that's right yeah you know, yeah yeah well they're also your memories you yeah. know your photos or your little things that you've yeah. collected um, or your kids have made you, yeah. or you just, or the rocks that they collected, correct. or the you know or the nuts and bolts that they've exactly. picked up somewhere at a skate park, and it meant the world to you because at that particular time, you know, they've given it to you with loving arms, yeah, and, and that's the thing. Got a handbag full of you know shells, beach or glass, yeah, that's <laughs> and right. Nuts and bolts. Yeah. It's all with love. That's <laughs> it. Yeah, most definitely. Um, so it's just, it sounds like 
what you like what you lived through when you were with him is traumatic beyond belief but that trauma didn't end no when you got up the courage to walk out the door and you also have control to a certain extent of that trauma that's happening in within your house yeah because your kids you know where they are you know yeah you're you're protecting them and many occasions you know like I'd get them out of the house so that they didn't have to um didn't have to sort of be exposed but when you have no control yeah and you don't know if he's under the influence or if he's speeding or if he's just being doing drugs in front of my kids you know they're babies they don't need to be exposed to the the bad world yeah um and they're not yeah it's it's you lose that control and that was my that was hard that was really hard and you know we hear that from from women who stay in family and domestic violence situations that while I was there I felt like I had some sense of control that I could do something to protect them yeah but if I'm not there I don't know is he going to you know the violence that he was showing towards me is he going to start showing that towards the kids yeah the sexual violence that he was showing, is he going to start showing that towards the yeah. kids? And it is a way... And the exposure to what? What are they to being what? exposed yeah, exactly. to? You know? Mm-hmm. And that that is that was a big thing for me because you you think, oh, I'm out, I've done it, you know, you've, you're back in the house and but then all of a sudden, you know, you have to meet this person somewhere and hand over these... Innocent little children, the yeah. most precious things, and your job is to life. protect them. Yeah, and you're just handing them over to. Oh, um, it's just unpredictable. It's, yeah, it's unpredictable. That's what it is, and that's a, that's the scariest thing. So, um, and look, we've gone way over time. So thank you so much for your time. I've still got some questions though. So, but we won't. Which is. Sad that we don't get to go into how you ended up with seven children and two dogs. No, we'll save that. <laughs> yeah. We'll save that episode, the yeah, funny farm, for another it. another day. But if you were speaking, like, if there's somebody who's listening to this, who's living in family and domestic violence, what would you say to them? What's one thing that would have really helped you? That you're not alone, and that there is help out there, and nine times out of ten, that helps from strangers and professional strangers I guess I should say um so those numbers that Emma's gonna either say or put up just just if you just need to talk to somebody they're not going to come in and take your kids away that these were all my thoughts yeah if I expose this like what's going to happen to my kids you know or they're not going to understand it was just the counseling on the phone and and just they're really amazing, amazing organisation and amazing souls behind those phones. But just know you're not alone and you do have the strength to do what's right for you. And I think that's really important as well that, fam- you know, over here we've got um, family and children's services. They're not, they're not out to try and take your children away no. from you. But but when you're you think you're oh, exposing them, you yeah. know, you think I'm exposing them because I'm not leaving. And but these people understand more than you would know. Yeah. And I think that's where my my advice would be is just just pick up the phone. Yeah. You don't have to give a name. You don't even have to. You know. Um, you can hang up if you start getting panicky. I did that many times. I also think, so one of the things that I tell people is that if you ring and the person who's on the other end of the phone isn't one of the good ones, hang, hang up, up and call again. Oh, yes. So, yes. You know, because there are some amazing people who are on these helplines yep. 
and there's one or two that you think, oh, I'm wondering why you're answering this call. Yeah. Hang up. Yeah. Call again until yeah. you get somebody yeah, who you do connect exactly. with. And it's, it's the same with therapy. If you find a therapist and you think, this isn't for me, find another therapist. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And counselling is a is a huge thing. That, yeah. I mean, I've been in counselling probably 20 years, I'd say. <laughs> but it has, it's just... You you can you hear something from an outside point of view, yeah. Instead of living in your t- turmoil and your anxiety, and it's somebody who is they're literally paid to listen and they're yeah, paid they to are. help you make sense of the world. Yeah. So give you the tools, that's for sure. Yeah, and I think that's you know oh, I don't need that. I've got supportive friends. They don't have the skills to no, be able to give you the no. tools to be able to get through what you've got to go through. Yeah, and I think you're guarded when you talk to your friends, no matter how much you don't think you are. Yeah. Yeah. That was actually one of the other questions I wanted to ask. What was it like for you having to tell people? Horrific. It was horrific when it all came out. I hated saying that I've been in a domestic violence relationship. I couldn't admit that I was sexually abused for about four years it's only now that I have told people that didn't know who were in the courtroom um and yeah it's you just it's judgments and it's the uneducated opinions and it's the talking over in the corner and it's the you know and and I think as I'm getting older and I'm reading this amazing book actually but just who cares what other people think? And it's easier said than done. Yeah. Um, I think for me, my everything's just dropping into place now. And like I said to you before, you know, how do you ever get past it? I don't think I'll ever get past it, but yeah. you're just learning to use it as a strength. One of the things that I saw when you... So we were sitting... I don't know whether or not you remember this, but we were sitting at a um, picnic table and there were probably six women sitting around this table... And you shared what had happened. Mm-hmm. And of the six women that were sitting, I might cry. I cry a lot. Um, but of That's the six, okay. I might cry too because <laughs> I do remember. Yep. Of the six women that were sitting around there, I think probably four of them said they didn't know how to respond and they said, I'm so sorry. Mm. And what I saw in you was shame mm-hmm. because these people were feeling sorry for you. Mm. Oh, God, I'm going to yeah. cry. I'm sorry. Yep. And... I didn't know how to make that better. No, and that's the thing. I don't. I don't think there's a way to make no. it better because that is anyone's response, I guess. But it was huge for me to say it that day because yeah. I hadn't told anyone. Yeah. From such an outside circle, you know, yeah. um, and it, it was, and the responses throughout time, it does. It makes you. Sometimes it makes you feel like you're nothing. I remember. So I saw. I saw you go into yourself when these people were saying that they were sorry, you know, and and how, you know, and what that did to you. And I said to you, I'm not going to tell you that I'm sorry mm. because you are so incredibly strong. And I... Gave me a hug. It, yeah, and it just, that seemed to just lift you a little bit that actually somebody's yeah. not seeing me as a victim. That's right. They're seeing that I've managed to come my through this. Yeah. And you're seeing the, the positive in me as a person. Yeah, and it was just, I, I suppose because we hadn't had any clue. No, I know. And it is people's initial, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Or, 
you know, wow. And and you just think, you, you just don't get it. You don't just don't get no. it. No, and I think that then, you know, the other women suggesting they should get you onto Tinder. So yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, no, okay, thanks. I'm not sure we're ready for that yeah, yet. No, before. thank you. I'm far, far away from Tinder. Um, <laughs> no man is coming thinking? anywhere near me. <laughs> no. Um, but, yeah, I think that's people's reaction. And this is the thing. I think it's so important that women talk about it. Yeah. Because, you know... It took a lot. It was so hard for me to tell my family. Yeah. My sister, I remember ringing her and telling her and thinking that she's going to be judging me or yeah. like how's she going to be looking at me? I've had her kids and what's she going to be thinking? Yeah. You know, just – and that's your own blood. Yeah. Let alone, you know, sitting with a, a group of women. And women are, can be very intimidating, especially mm. when you have no confidence. Yeah. Because you're – So what, what would be a good way for people to respond when – somebody discloses something like that? Um, I would probably say very similar to how you uh, responded, um, giving a, a strong note of a positive, like it's it's amazing to hear when someone says you're a strong person because at that time you feel like the you have no, you, you're just underwater and you can't yeah. even have the strength to get to, to get a breath of yeah. fresh air, you know. And I think also... Um, offering help mm. as in I mean clearly not everyone can help but you know just just is there something I can do for yeah. you or you, are, are the kids all right or you know are you okay yeah because I'm here if you need me or just just because you can't fix it yeah you know no that's no it. other person but can you can maybe it. bring around a casserole Oh, that's right. Well, don't come around though. You're not allowed to come around. No, no, no. no. You know, bring it, bring it at the, at the meeting. <laughs> yeah, that's it. When you're yeah. going to school drop off or something yeah, like no that. Yeah, no one's ever allowed or... to knock on your door because that's yeah. you don't know what they're knocking on the door yeah. and what's happening behind closed doors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, most definitely. And so, if you were, you know, if you found out that a friend was going through this or um, a relative, whatever that is. What advice would you give to those friends or relatives for how they can be supportive? Okay, so it, this is happening at the moment, mm-hmm. and um, this is one of those seven children. Um, she was in she w- was in the home, and uh, she was just coming around to our house visiting and um, the kids and stuff. And it was funny because I'm very like switched on to certain things, and it was just little things she was saying that I picked up. There was mm. violence in her home. She never told me. I never ever confronted her with it. Yeah. Um, long story short, she's now living with us. <laughs> um, but I have a strong uh, connection with her mum because I met her mum, and uh, me and her are now friends. Mm-hmm. She's going through very similar, not so violent, but a similar situation, and. She can't just leave. Yeah. She can't. And you know what? It's not time. She needs to be the one to leave. Yeah. I can't say to her, you need to get out of there. She needs to be. But I've offered, there's a there's a bedroom at my house. That's all I can offer. Yeah. I can support, you know, you staying here until you can find your own feet. Yeah. Um, so it's just the support. But it's also just having her talking to me and just being able to talk without any judgment. Yeah. And, you know, I'm more than happy just to sit there and listen. And if she starts crying, you know what, it's nice just to give her a hug. Yeah. Or, or just, you know, we quite often sit on the beach and might not talk about anything associated with that. But I think it's just having 
no judgment and being within somebody's presence. And that's it. Just knowing that there's somebody there yeah. who believes you. Bele- believes you. Because I, I did not get any justification, I felt. Yeah. Um, I think I needed him to say sorry, but he's never going to say sorry. And years of counselling. Then you might need to let go of that. Yeah, <laughs> I have. I have. But these things, you need to let go of these things to be able to move forward. And but, I'm only slowly just getting there. And as much as I'm joking saying you probably need to let go of that, you're not going to get it really hard to let go it of that. It is. It's really hard, especially, yeah. yeah. There's a lot of validation, I think. And I'm, I'm guessing you had to apologise for a lot of things that you didn't do. Oh, I said sorry every second word yeah. just to <laughs> maybe defuse the, you yeah, know, defuse the situation. But, yeah, there's there was no validation or anything. Yeah. And you think all those years and, and the youth that we had together and then – becoming parents and you know all those big steps but they were never they were never true you know yeah happy steps but you just make them what you make them Mm. and yeah that's it so believing people offering them assistance where you can and no judgment and that's the biggest thing yeah you want to be able to tell somebody that isn't going to give you their point of view Because they can't give you their point of view, you know. Mm. You don't want to hear what they would do, or you just need to. You just need to um, sit and listen. And and me, I love it when people make jokes out of things because you know what, you can just gets me through. I love laughing. I love making jokes, and sometimes they go a bit far, but yeah, um, you know, my answer to just about everything. That's right, (laughs) and you know. Um, so yeah, I think I think just the support there, yeah. and and like I said, I've there's a room there. Now I know she won't take it, but it's the most important thing knowing that you have that somewhere to go. It. Yeah, knowing that there are options. There's somewhere to go. Yeah, yeah, and that you'll you know if worst comes to worst, you'll stand next to her in court. One hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. With another question, so I was hearing parts of your story that I haven't heard before. Yes, and. I couldn't control how horrified I was. Yes, I could tell. Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> no, that's um, fine. What What's more useful? Is it more useful for people to actually be horrified and to like to justify why you like that this is horrendous what you've been through, or is it is it more useful to kind of go oh like, you know and to not respond and not I react? I think validation for people who have well for myself, mm-hmm. you know, I I hate being I hate people forming judgments and that's why I I, that's something I need to let go of because that's not what I'm what that's not my decision but um yeah I think validation is a big thing because Mm. for many years your these incidents and these traumatic things you go through never ever get validated and you never get the next day sorry I mean in some circumstances yes but um and then even when, it, for in my instance, my parents-in-law, like, mm. you know, they there was no validation, even though they knew. Yeah. So in my mind, I was like, well, you know. They're saying that this is okay and this and, is normal. Yeah, and they turned their back on me yeah. when I took him to court. Well, when we went to court, yeah. I didn't take him, but, you know. Um, so I'd lost everything and then my own family wasn't there or validated. I felt yeah. that wasn't validated. Um, so for me, I think it's it's nice to hear that someone says wow that is horrific because it is it is and you made it through the other side and you are still standing i'm not sure i'm there at the other side (laughs) (laughs) no i just 
just collect animals and children, remember? That's right. I think as far as um, as far as hoarding goes, that's probably a healthy way to do it. It is, it? isn't it? Well, they've all got their own character and brings different values to the house yeah. and brings different um, laughable jokes, I guess. That's it. There's, look, there's lots of funny stories as a result, isn't there? Oh, my goodness, yes. Yeah. So every Thursday night we have a big sit-down dinner mm-hmm. And I usually do like a big cook up. And so the kids always look forward to Thursday nights because every other night everyone's got training this, yeah. that, and never, never all catch up. And the jokes that come out on Thursday night, it's yeah. just hysterical. And yeah. you know what? It's so good to see everyone blended together laughing. And we've all just, we're all family, you yeah. know, and it's beautiful and that's a value that I'll always give my kids. And that those are the things that they're going to remember as well. They'll oh, my remember goodness, remember sitting yes. together laughing and the joking. Oh, and, and the stupidity. Like, yeah. you know, the eldest is 18 and then there's 17 and then there's 16 and 15 and they're, they're the four boys. Yeah. And then there's um, the girl who's 17 and then... The other girl's 13 and then another one's 11. So, yeah. you know, like when you've got that four teenage so boys. <laughs> How much food is on that oh table? Oh, my goodness, you would not believe it. And it's funny because when I'm only cooking for a couple. Oh, you don't know I how? Always, I don't know yeah. how. I always notice there's like enough to feed us for the next five days. Yeah. And I'm thinking, where's these teenage boys to, <laughs> to get to, rid of it? That's it, to get through all of this food. Is, I know. Yeah. Uh, that's funny. Um, but I, and that's what I was thinking that you've got. So yes, there's this thing that they that they've had these experiences well as in the past, but they've also been surrounded by love. One hundred percent. Yeah. And my boys, and it's funny. This is what I mean. I know they've grown up, and it's I touch wood because you know one's fifteen and one's seventeen, but I can see values within them that there's so much respect for yeah. me and for women yeah you know like um my eldest ran across the road the other day to um finish mowing the ladies lawn Aww. and like he wouldn't say no take no for an answer yeah. and you know he's literally walked in from um his work placement yeah and he's just seen that this this lady and she's in her 30s so she's not exactly she's not old, old. <laughs> she can push the lawnmower but he's yeah. insisted no i'm going to finish it off for you Aww. um and, you know, it's just little things like that. And yeah. and you see that they'll come out to the car and get the bags out of the car yeah. for me, you know. You can see gentle gestures. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think definitely if I could pick a positive, yeah. I've turned into to good, genuine boys. Yeah. And so as we finish up now, sorry, sorry, it has gone a bit long. I'll cut this into two episodes. But as we finish <laughs> up now, have you got any final thoughts, anything you want to add? Um, I don't regret any of my journey. That's something I want everyone to understand because I know when you're going through it, you go, why me? Mm. Why? What have I done to deserve this? You know, you do. You find those little things. But I think it. It's so hard sometimes to get through a day, a week, a month, even a year, two yeah. years. Yeah. It really years. is. Yeah. And, you know, what saved me, what actually saved me was, and I know this sounds so silly, but having a piece of paper every night and writing down three things that I'm grateful for mm. from myself. So um, the first time was made my kids lunch. Yep. You know, and like I've I, I've still got these, yeah. so I know how where I was. Yeah, and what I mean is, you 
I read back on them and I can see how low I was and how much I was struggling just to stay alive and just to breathe and just to function because some days you don't. Um, and now I look at it and I think, you know, w- how far I've come. Yeah. And then you see your kids and I'm, my kids and I think, well, you know what, I'm yeah, every day is a struggle. Like they're starting to turn up to the kids' sports now and showing mm. their dominance. But you know what, they that can't hurt me because my kids are beautiful. Yeah. I'm happy and I didn't die that day. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, that's a huge positive. There's um, a lot of women that do, unfortunately. Yeah. It's yeah. the saddest thing. And, you know, when you look at gratitudes, I think sometimes people can struggle with gratitudes because, well, I should put down that I'm grateful for my kids. And yeah. obviously we're grateful yeah. for our kids, but you don't have to put that every day. Are we? No, yeah. I'm kidding. <laughs> that's I'm exactly kidding. It. Mm, it's been a rough morning today. So. Yeah. Yes. Um, you know, so you don't have to say, well, I'm grateful for my children every day. But then when you write it down, is it enough just to say, I managed to brush my hair today? Or today I managed that is to have enough. a shower. You know what? And that's that's where it's I was huge. at. That's yeah. where I was at. And yeah. it's, you know, you and you feel so silly writing them down, but make yourself write them down. Like I made myself and I did it. And, you know, I think you strive for the next day yeah. to just, to be able to put something on that page. Yeah, and and it's part of going through the day and going, you know what, there were things of today that brought me joy. Yeah. There were things that of today... I'm proud to, of. That, to, that I'm proud of or to celebrate. Yeah. And it may be as small as I managed to brush my hair today. Yeah. That's not small. It's not. It is not small. You know what, it is not small at all. And this is where people got to really give themselves a break yeah. because I know I didn't. And, and I mean, I think that's what delayed me so long to be able to move forward until I realised that and I, until I realised that I'm a good person, I'm a good mum because you're told this every day for years on end with passion yeah. drummed into your head that you're worthless, you are nothing, you are the worst mum in the world, you know, like things that you, you just think, ah. Oh, water off a duck's back you know but maybe water off the duck's back the first time that's right if you're hearing them every day multiple times a day and yeah and yet you still made sure your children had clean clothes they were fed they went to school every every single day yeah you know despite the fact that you were sometimes sleeping in a at the local park and you know yeah they were still at school in clean clothes yeah I don't know how you manage that. I struggle to get my kids yeah. in clean uniforms and well, I've got when, a washing machine. When they're confined to a car, it's smaller for them to get away. <laughs> Tr- uh, no, I'm nice joking. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Hey, look, whatever it takes. That's <laughs> right. Yeah. But I think that's a really good it's a really good tip for people is to actually take time to see what what has happened every day that you and can give celebrate yourself and a be break. proud of. Give yeah. yourself a break. Honestly, yeah. I think that's somebody who's going through s- when you're going through such a traumatic um, life, because yeah. at the time it's not just a particular time, it's your world. Yeah. When your world's turn, turned upside down and you're trying to keep away from everyone and put on that smiley face, but you're beating yourself up for everything inside. Yeah. Um, we do it as women, but imagine living in that world of thoughts in your own head and I think it's just important just write it down and I know you'll probably want to screw it up and throw it in the bin because it's so pathetic because I did a few times but you know it's it's actually moving forward and and recognizing what you're doing yeah and I think you've had somebody gaslighting you for so long you've had somebody telling you that you you're nothing for so long 
you be the voice of somebody telling you yeah. that you deserve to be celebrated. Yeah. yeah, and it's hard to do that because it goes against every grain. Yeah. But you just point out those little things that you're doing right. Yeah. And you know what? You just, I think you find the inner strength eventually. Yeah. I don't know. I'm still not there, but you know what? That's okay because a life's a journey. <laughs> life's a journey, and you know what? You just make it, make as many laughs as along the way. That's yeah. that's my key. Yeah, and I think the other thing that I heard you say. So as well as you know, trying to seek some professional support, reach out for help. Definitely, yeah. yeah. And, and if you find that first door closes, knock on another door. Yeah, yeah, and it's somebody will help because, you know, I've got a lot of dead ends and there's I could name five particular people that I didn't even know and are in the like health profession um and they just opened doors that have just closed all the bad ones yeah and I've had support along the way yeah so definitely don't be afraid to reach out yeah yeah can save can save so much and save a life save your kids save yourself you know just so much and it is scary but you have the strength women are very strong stronger than we realize that's what i mean that the you know i was willing to rob that deli or that thing (laughs) my kids were eating that night you know it's a good job you didn't need to but that's right (laughs) (laughs) that's it and um as much as leftover pizza wasn't ideal it it probably beats robbing it does it does (laughs) i know Uh, no, and I know that we're joking, but um, thank you so much for all of your time and oh, for being thank you for having me. so incredibly open and, um, and letting me ask some very personal and probing questions. Yeah, no, so. that's, that's uh, my story might just open somebody else's eyes or door. But it, whether, I mean, your story may be the catalyst for somebody believing that if you did it, they can do it too. Exactly, and and t- let me tell you, if I can do it, anyone can do it. Honestly, yeah, yeah. So thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate Thanks, it. Emma. And for people listening, please feel free to share this for people who you think may, um, you know, may benefit from this, and share it even if you don't think somebody may benefit. So hit share because the more people that we can get hearing about family and domestic violence, the more we can share information, and the more we can help women to access the support they need to be able to make the choices that are right for them. Thank you for joining me for today's episode of A Hidden World of Women, a podcast brought to you by Women's Health and Wellbeing Services. For more information on the services we offer, head to whws.org.au or Women's Health and Wellbeing Services on YouTube and social media. Looking forward to the next episode where we uncover the hidden world of women.